I'm Steven. And I'm Spencer. Welcome to Ragnarok Cast, your podcast for all things marketing and MarTech. Hello, everyone. We're, We're the, the co-CEOs of Ragnarok. Ragnarok. I'm Steven, and I do all things product and services. And I do all things operational and people-related. So we've been speaking a lot at different thought leadership events over the last few years. And, uh, you know, it just kind of came around to us that it's time to get in and do a podcast. We were trying to figure out what do we want to talk about first? Well, we've been writing blog posts and those are fairly effective at getting a message across, but um, not everyone has the time to read a blog post, but you do have time to, uh, you know, listen to some quick on your way to work. You know, a lot of people are working remotely. You may not, maybe on your way to the living room, <laughs> the way to the couch, wherever you work from. You got to walk the dog at some point. Yeah, you got to walk the dog, maybe take a meeting while you're walking the dog. You got to get to the deli to get yourself an egg sandwich. Yeah, if you're like me, you might bike and uh, take a meeting at the same time. It doesn't go well. Those are fun. That wind just, just whooshing. Every time. I haven't been on the receiving end of that, but you have. Why are we doing a podcast? Well, we have a lot to talk about. Steven and I are known for being talkers, if you can tell, but last year was crazy with the economy. This year started out a bit rough. We think there's a lot we can all collectively do in the marketing world to uh, get through it. All right, Steven. So uh, let's open up our first podcast with uh, something that's at the very core of what we do. Tell us, what is CRM? Yes, Spencer. So CRM is that customer relationship management, which is, you know, the audience listening here will be very well first and familiar with. But essentially how we define it is it's encompassing of that business strategy and the underlying technology that nurtures that customer experience and personalizes their communications as they flow through any of our customers' products, whether that would be from an acquisition program all the way through the actual usage and replenishment, depending on what industry they're in. So the goal that that we really have around this CRM program is to drive revenue and profitability, really focus on customer satisfaction, and uh, really focus more on the actual customer experience rather than just what the individual things that we're selling are. What does CRM have to do with customer journeys? This is kind of the interesting thing here is uh, when you think about a customer journey, we have to sort of be all encompassing here. It's very easy for somebody who's coming from a CRM world or coming from a retention background to only think about the communication that they're sending that goes into that journey. Uh, but what we should really be thinking about is the holistic experience of that customer journey. So, you know, the part of whether the uh, piece of communication that I received from you, the email or SMS is the prompt. Or it's the entire experience of somebody maybe organically coming back to the product or using the product. And so that journey, that customer journey, from my perspective, is the entire map, the entire flow of that user's individual experience that they will have in all the ways they interact with the product, whether through the messaging channels or directly within the product itself. So you can have, you know, a beautifully documented journey map, but then you go down the rabbit hole of, of being too OCD about one specific thing, especially as teams scale, that can really, you know, start to eat up a lot of time in efficient way. That's actually a really good point is sort of being too hyper focused on one area that may seem like a big point of friction, but is almost an expectation that people might have around the product or something that they can just kind of overcome on their own. It's kind of like this, um, as you guys well know, I'm up and coming, uh, gonna be a father soon. And so I've been reading a lot of- Congrats. Thanks, man. 
So I've been reading a lot of these different baby books. And, you know, one of the uh, more interesting thing that I've been reading about is this idea of like sort of unstructured play, like let them figure it out on their own. There's almost an element of that in everything that we do, right? We can almost be so micromanagey about the experience that we create these objectives that we want people to go through because for us, it's the ideal experience, right? Oh, you read an article and you fully understand our product. You completed our introduction quiz. You found the right fit for you. You gave us your email address and look, you bought the product. It's not really how people go through and experience these things, right? We all have our own individual ways of digesting information, of creating sense out of a very chaotic world that we're in. A good example of this and why I bring it back to the baby book is the customer you may be serving right now could have seven crying kids around them. And there's just no way your ideal customer experience is going to happen. They could also be 1030 at night and they've got two minutes on their phone and they saw you in an ad on Instagram, which was their downtime, their wind down time. And for them, you know, the most important thing that they get is the problem solved. As we create these customer journey maps, we often sort of see these like, oh, this person's, they have these behavioral patterns. They seem to be moving through the thing too quickly, or they don't seem to be going to all the experiences that we want them to go to. In that sort of scenario, the journey map kind of falls through because you're looking too much at an idealized scenario. So one thing that I like to do and apply to these scenarios is to sort of take in a variation of every single activity to say, hey, this is the end goal Here's all the ways that you can get there. And if I'm chaotic life person right now, I'm calm life person. I'm on my lunch during work. You know, all these different psyches or personas that this 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 customer may have at the time that they're experiencing the product, which is a critical part of it, because we're not who our demographics say we are. We are who we are in the moment that we're interacting with your product. And so what we'll see is having those variations in there helps to kind of humanize the experience a little bit more instead of just thinking of individual emails and pages as boxes and arrows on a whiteboard. So I just have to call out the phrase chaotic life person. Thank you. Can you define that for us? Chaotic life person. I think it's this, I'll call it a point in time, right? Because we're not chaotic all the time. I mean, if you are, God bless you. That sounds like a hard life. But, you know, there, there are sort of these moments in your life where you have a dire need or there's something burning in the back of your mind and you need to get it done with, right? So let's say I'm, you know, I'm I'm customer X. Hello, customer X, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm shopping for B2B telecommunication software, okay? Well, I have two things going on in my mind right now. One is my training and my experience that tells me how I should be thinking about shopping for business telecommunication software. And the other is I'm working, I'm a, I'm, I'm a single dad working from home. I got dogs barking, kids crying, and I can't even think for more than 30 seconds without having to go deal with something else. So this sort of chaotic experience, what I'm describing is the sort of animal part of your brain has, has, is sort of taking over the experience. And when we sort of discount the fact that that could be happening at the time that your rational brain should be making the decision, um, that's where I'm sort of seeing this sort of chaotic piece that we, we need to take that into account. Of like somebody might not be rationally buying your product. And if they're not rationally buying your product, they might skip over things that would set them up to being what you would think of as an ideal customer. And so the, the, the way that we should be thinking about that journey is all of these different 
things that could happen along the the, the cycle of them getting through a, a customer experience, where they're falling off and, and, and potentially why they could be falling off and having a little bit more forgiveness, if you will, and and sort of elasticity in the experience to account for that sort of chaoticness or, or chaos that might be happening in their daily life. So we had a client about four or five years ago who's in the moving industry. Can't really say the client name, but it's still a useful uh, case study. So it was Stephen and myself and our first full-time employee who was actually our friend from college. We went to the office of the client and you know, we were learning more about the project and the issue that they were having was there were too many steps in the signup process and they were trying to get people to basically do all of the things that you have to do in order to move. And that's a lot of information to collect. And so part of what we were doing was auditing that flow and figuring out when and where people were dropping off. And then after that, figuring out how we could eliminate some of the steps or combine some of them together to make sure that people actually completed it. Now, in that case, it was a little different because they actually needed that information. But I think one of the things that was decided was that some of it could be done at a later stage. So some of it you had to get up front and then a bunch of it was made optional so that you could do it later so that you could at least get to the schedule move button. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny you bring that up because that makes me think of one of their biggest customers that they worked with was New York Movers, which if any of you have ever moved in New York, it is the most chaotic experience that you can think of. I mean, first off, you have to, like, show up with a checkbook to, like, get your bid on this available unit before everybody else does. And it might not be ideal. The hot water might not even work for all you know, but you know that you need a place to live. Having to go through and do a whole moving exercise on top of going through this like crazy trudge of getting an apartment and getting out of your current apartment and lining these all up so you get out of your current apartment on the last day of your lease on the 31st and your your all your stuff is packed up on the 31st and you are moving in at 12.01 a.m. on the 1st. This is literally how people do things in New York, by the way. And so that that sort of um, that sort of chaoticness when you need to sort of understand, well, how many chairs are you moving? How many desks are you moving? Right. Real practical questions that one would need to inform a quote uh, becomes a hard thing to do because you're, you're sort of like, oh, I got to pack now. And oh, I got to do, you know, it just it just becomes a bit of a nightmare. Um, so in that sort of scenario that we're describing, even just minimizing the steps and taking little pieces of information at a time and collecting more as they progress closer to their move date, that was the sort of the big solve there. The big learn for us is like we could capture this information a little bit at a time. All we really needed to generate a quote or to get somebody to pick a quote is like very little, little bit of information. As they started to fill that out more, their quote became more refined. And then just like all movers in New York, you know, they'll just charge the difference when they show up, you know, and here's 17 wardrobe boxes that you didn't know you needed. And here's a $5 charge per moving blanket that we're going to give to you. And that's just, you know, the nature of the business. Bring it back home this year, 2023, like even though the economy is going through a bit of a rough spot, there's still a lot of opportunity for growth. And, you know, it seems like the moral of the story is bring it back to basics. If your customer journey is overly complicated, take a look at it, get to know what your customers are actually doing, who your customers actually are, the situation they might have at home, the way they actually buy, what they actually need and simplify it as much as possible. So, you know, reduce those uh, points of friction. And if you're telling yourself, I can't do that, my customer journey just really is complicated, take another try at the exercise there, because what most often will happen is overcomplicating is a symptom of thinking way too much about all the different steps, as opposed to thinking about all the different ways that those steps are quite simple. It's just a different person going through it. 
Okay, well, that is all the time we have for today. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast network. Find us on LinkedIn and also head over to RagnarokMarketing.com. Subscribe to our email newsletter for more marketing and MarTech thought leadership. Bam! Bam! Ragnarok!